Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the We're Having a Good Time podcast. We are live from the new studio. My name's Dusty Slay. I'm your host, and I'm with my wife and co-host, Hannah Hogan. Hey, Dusty. Um, Likely, you won't be able to tell any difference if you're just listening to this. Hopefully not. Um, Well, uh, you know, there's still, if you're seeing it, I gotta, you know, we don't really post the full video, but I'll post clips, but we got a... um, you know, we got uh, a lot of shadow because we had a harsh light in here. We got, um, um, you know, we don't have our door yet. We ordered a thick door for the studio so that the sound won't go out. But I stacked a bunch of uh, of those foam insulators on in the door, and they just fell. Uh, there's nothing on the wall, so it may be a bit echoey. We don't have our stuff up yet. We're not fully equipped. But last week we didn't do a podcast because we had um, construction here during the day, uh, which is normally when we would do the podcast during the day while Daisy's napping, we had construction here. And then at night when we would otherwise do the podcast when things were busy, I had shows. The Nashville Comedy Festival was going on last week. So there's no way to do it during the day. There was no way to do it during the night. I took some equipment with me on the road to do it, but that would have been a Friday recording of a podcast. And honestly, I just wasn't up to it. I flew uh, late on Thursday. I got to Richmond, Virginia, and I I slept till about 1030. And it was just, uh, it just, it didn't happen. We wanted it to happen, but it didn't happen. And our podcast studio was not complete. But as as you know now, we have a baby coming, so we got to get that our old podcast studio needs to be returned back full it back to its rightful use as a um, bedroom. And we had this loft in our house that was just kind of useless. Now we had been using it, but it was pretty useless. So we had a guy come in um, and we will share it at some point who that is, you know, to give him a shout out, but it won't be this podcast. Um, I think we'll wait till the project is completely complete. It looks very good in here. It does. But we, you know, we don't have the door still. We ordered a, you know, a good soundproof door because the opening goes right to Daisy's bedroom, basically, and she's asleep right now. So hopefully that stays that way. Um, but we just wanted to get it out. I mean, the shame of it is, is that last week was a very exciting week. There was a lot to talk about, but we weren't able to do a podcast. So, um, we have loads to talk about here. If you're a Nate Land listener, you know, some of the stuff we're going to talk about already, but, um, if not, this will be news to you. And also there's other stuff that I did last week. That was great. Uh, so I didn't give you an opportunity, Hannah, but welcome. Thank you. Yeah. How does it feel to be in the new studio, Dusty? Well, it feels good. It is a bit more spacious here. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, and, and we painted before we had a, a cloth hanging behind us that was a dark green and we liked it, but now we just had the wall painted that color. People, uh, have said, 
Oh, so you can just do a green screen if you want. And this is not green screen color green that we have here. This is, um, you know, just a, a forest green. I think it feels really professional. Yeah, I it's think like so too. we're this family now. Well, we have the podcast and we want to keep it going, but also this serves as an office. And I think, honestly, for resale value, I think this extra room is more valuable than um, having um, um, uh, just a, a vacant, useless loft. You know, and the way things are trending in our society is a lot of people are just trying to be influencers, trying to do stuff on the internet now. So chances are the next family that moves in here, maybe the parents want to have a podcast. Maybe they're musicians and they put their studio in here. Maybe their little teenage kid is trying to do some studio stuff. Yeah. I mean, somebody's going to want to be on the net. Well, that's true. That's true. I mean, that's what people do now. Yeah. So we will get it set up. I don't know what what direction we'll go. I don't know if we'll ever go full podcast on YouTube. I may at some point. I don't know. Um, but I like what we have going now with just audio. And also, I like that, you know, people can go and leave reviews, but it's a little difficult. It's a little harder to go leave a review than it is a comment. And, you know. Uh, I share things on here sometimes that, you know, maybe I don't want just out to the YouTube world, left up to the YouTube commenters. Uh, I feel like the true Dusty Slay fans are listening to the, not that the, there's not some out there that maybe aren't listening to it, but like, yeah, I mean, we get way more, you get way, like, you're not really, you don't talk a lot about your personal life in your stand-up. You know, and you, you talk yeah. a lot about your personal life here and your faith and, uh, your past and you're, I would say you're much more vulnerable here than yeah. anywhere else. And I don't try to build this podcast, you know, I'll share some clips, but I'm really just sharing the clips because I'm trying to, uh, build my social media following. I'm not really trying to build the podcast. I like the way this is, but you did build a podcast studio. Yeah, but it's out of necessity. We uh -huh. needed a spot. Yeah, because we need a baby room. Yeah, I mean, so I, and, and also the, the, the loft was useless. Mm -hmm. If we were like, gosh, I love this loft. I just, <laughs> I just hate it. Then I would have never built this. We would do the podcast at the kitchen table or stop doing it. I like doing it. I get a lot of feedback from people about Bible talk, and that's what what I'm pumped about. But I don't want to put Bible talk on the internet because the moment you put it up there, I mean, you just yeah, yeah. it's just an onslaught of people. And then you know, I yeah. think I argue with people about pork now. I mean, almost every time I get a response from somebody about Bible talk, it's uh, oh, I really like that you do the Bible talk. I disagree with you, but I love the Bible talk. And there's honestly. There's nothing to disagree with about pork. There was a guy who recently sent me a message. He sent me a video message. It was a 20-minute YouTube video message. And I watched it, and I enjoyed it, and I appreciated it. Uh, I was alone in a hotel, and I was like, yeah, I'll watch this. I mean, yeah, I got, <laughs> I, I got plenty of time to kill. So I watched it, and I liked it. It was a very thoughtful video. But at one point, he said, he thinks, you know, he said, I'm wrong about pork. I'm fundamentally wrong about that. But then he goes on to say how my talking about it helped him stay away from it because it is unhealthy. And I'm just like, well, that should tell you everything you need to know. 
God does not want us to be eating unhealthy things. God didn't say don't eat Snickers bars, but Snickers bars weren't around at the time. And I'm sure God doesn't want us putting that in our body either. It's all about, this is my whole tech. Now, first off, if you're just reading the Bible and you, and you, and, and, and you come across Noah, um, you would be like, it says that Noah took... Uh, by sevens, he took animals, clean animals onto the ark by sevens. Now, I don't know if that means seven pairs or if that meant he took seven of them. Uh, and then it took by twos onto the uh, um, of unclean animals. So he took seven clean animals two unclean animals. Now, as far as we know, up until this point in the Bible, there's been no coverage of this. We've not heard clean versus unclean animals. The way I feel, I feel like that Adam and Eve only ate fruit. And then when they were kicked out of the garden, they then had to till the land. So then they ate fruits and vegetables. And then after the flood, we ate animals. I don't think we ate animals up until that point. That's just a personal belief. But if you're reading it and you get to this place where it says uh, clean versus unclean animals, that should be a signal to you that there is a cert certain thing as clean or unclean. And then, you know, later on when the Jews are in the desert with Moses, uh, they've been in slavery in Egypt for so long that they've forgotten God's laws. They, these laws had been passed down to them from Adam all the way. I mean, the timelines basically would say that Adam lived to communicate with either Noah's dad or Noah's granddad. So the first man was very close to Noah. So th these things would have been easily passed down and God communicated directly with Adam uh, and then Enoch as well. And, um, you know, so it's like these things would have been passed down. So, but they were lost. So now God is giving those laws back to Moses and they're reteaching the Israelites uh, these things. So he, he, he lets us know what's clean and what's unclean. And me, I'm thinking this is God saying, hey, listen, I've created all the animals. I know what's good for you and I know what's bad for you. Listen to me. He said, be holy as I am holy, meaning that if you're eating these unclean animals, that it could make your body unholy. And so that's the whole thing. But people love to debate what Paul says. Now, I'm into Paul. I like Paul. I think some people can take this the completely other the other direction and say that Paul is um, is somehow a um, Paul is somehow um, uh, uh, you know going against God and that he's a heretic or, or you know and I don't think that's the case. I think Paul is misinterpreted. I don't think Paul is going against God, but I don't think that Paul is telling us to eat pork. And I know I harp on this all the time, but it just cracks me up when people send me videos or, 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 or send me emails where they go, 
Uh, I love the Bible talk, but I just disagree with everything you say about it. <laughs> and it's just like, I mean, what, what is there to disagree about? Um, I was on a, uh, I was doing Nate land with Aaron Weber, who I love. And me and Aaron have lots of discussions and Aaron's Catholic. So we don't agree on, a, uh, you know, in, in certain areas. And we were talking about King James versus NIV Bible. And I'm not saying that King James is the direct word of God. I don't think that, uh, you know, um, God was speaking to people in old English language, but I do just happen to believe that it's a fairly accurate, um, you know, uh, translation of the Bible. And there are others that I like the English standard version. I like, and I'm sure there are others, but the NIV ber- version, I really dislike. And Aaron laughed and said, well, that's the one that, you know, the whole world is using or whatever, the whole country. I don't know. And and don't quote Aaron exactly on that. But my point was, he's saying a lot of people use the NIV version. And I'm like, yeah, and look where we're at. We're not at a good religious place. People are not walking around quoting the Bible all the time. Most people don't even know anything about the Bible. So I just think it's good to have a good, accurate translation. And I realize that a lot of us, we grew up in the church and you you have parents that are ministers or you really love your preacher and they went to some seminary and that seminary taught them this. And because this has been taught to them, they'll never let that go. And the Jesus says to not call any man rabbi, and I believe rabbi means teacher. He says, because I am your rabbi. And he says, don't call any man father because you have but one father, and that is your father in heaven. So I think that, you know, Jesus is saying to us, listen, I will teach you. You don't need other people to teach you. What you need to do is read the Bible, humble yourself, and pray to me and I will teach you. And that's what I think happened to me. When I quit drinking, I was at a very humble state. I was the most humble that I had ever been. I was just like at a loss for what to do with myself and my life. And I just was, you know, I was quitting drinking, which meant losing most of my friends. I was considering quitting comedy, which was my only hobby. I was quitting my job, which was my source of income. And up until that point, really my future, I was trying to work my way up in the company. Um, And I sold my car. And to me, uh, being without a car, being carless was like the height of poor or uh, feeling like a loser to not have a car was like, how am I going to survive without a car? So I was just the most humble that I had ever been. And I was just praying and I was really seeking. And I felt like I was shown these things. I felt like God showed me these things. And I felt like since that point, it's been my job to get this message out to people. And I do, I always, I love to say that no one listens to me. I do love to say that. But the fact of the matter is I have a lot of friends and a lot of podcast listeners that have told me that because of listening to this podcast or because of talking to me, they've given up pork They've given up celebrating these holidays that we've known as religious, but really are secular holidays. They've given those up and they really see the benefit. I've had friends tell me that they wanted to stop celebrating Christmas, but they were worried about their kids because their kids loved Christmas. And they told me, they said to their, they told their kids this, that the reason why they've decided to start, stop celebrating Christmas And the kids just went right along with it. 
the kids were like, great, amazing. Why did, they sh- did, the, did they show them uh, a video of yours online and say, this guy is the reason? <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But it's like the reason kids like Christmas is because they get gifts. I mean, that that is it. I mean, it's like I had very fond memories of Christmas as a kid. Also some bad memories, but mostly fond memories of Christmas. But it's all because I was getting gifts. It was, yeah, I was hanging out with my family. I enjoyed being around my family, but it was gifts. I mean, Thanksgiving, I would get together with the same family, and that's fun. I think we all should have holidays where we get together with our family. And because the world is set up the way, or at least the country is set up the way it is, we're going to get vacation around Thanksgiving. We're going to get vacation around Christmas. So if that's the time that you have to get together, then that's just what it is. That's the time. But it can just be a time of family and praying. But we've made it really about gifts. I mean, Easter, I mean, Easter is all about hiding eggs and the Easter bunny and chocolates. And and, and that's not what it, it shouldn't be about that at all. And it's like, we as adults may celebrate it to Jesus, but when I was a kid, when I thought of Easter, I thought of candy, I thought of that bunny, and I thought of the Easter egg hunt. I mean, that's what I thought of, you know? Uh, my neighbor down the road put up a little bunny for, thank, for, for Easter, and Daisy every day wanted to go outside, and she wanted to walk up to that house to say hey to the bunny. She would just go up there. She would say, hey, bunny, and then we would leave, and she would say, bye, bunny. Very cute. But that's what kids think about. They and think, now what does she do? Now she says, bunny's gone. <laughs> Every day she yeah. goes, bunny's gone. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, and it's just like, yeah, the bunny is gone. And, uh, you know, but it's like, it's yeah. all real sweet, but I just think that, you know, kids will go along with what we find exciting. I mean, I'm... This is not even coming from a parent perspective. I've had nephews and nieces for a long time. I mean, if you're excited about it, the kids are excited about it, you know? And uh, all these things can be fun. I didn't mean to go on this early podcast tangent here. this was an early Bible study talk. But I just, you know, I want the guy who sent me that video to know that I did appreciate the video. It was 20 minutes and this pork thing was a tiny portion. I did appreciate the video. Uh, I thought it was very fun. He also was a, he said he discovered me. He's from Dallas. He discovered me by comic Ralph Barbosa, who was uh, opening for me at the time, who's now headlining clubs all over the country, selling out after he, you know, featured for me a couple of times. So uh, I really hooked him up, but uh, mm-hmm. no, but uh, no, he's, Ralph's doing great. But this other guy is out of Dallas and um, he, um, uh, said he found out about me that way, but then later when Billy Joe Shaver died, he was, I guess, searching Twitter to just see what people were saying about Billy Joe Shaver, and he found my thread that I put together about how sad I was about Billy Joe Shaver dying and all the songs that had meant things to me, and Billy Joe Shaver is a Texan, so this guy was a huge fan of Billy Joe Shaver. It is sad to me. In fact, with my, my brief little Norman, Norm McDonald encounters and my love for Billy Joe Shaver, the two of them were great friends. And it makes me sad that they're both gone. Mm-hmm. Norm McDonald had that talk show that he did for a while and Billy Joe Shaver was a guest on there. Makes me sad that they're both gone because I feel like I, there was a chance that I could have ended up being friends with those guys because I'm just going down that path. I mean, uh, I say that because... 
Uh, this week, I did a show at the Ryman Auditorium, or I guess it was last week now. It was uh, Kid Rock's Comedy Jam. Now, when I'm, re- I posted a picture of it, and it's a picture of everybody flipping a bird to the camera, and then I'm the only one not flipping the bird. And it's pretty funny. I mean, I like it. I wasn't trying to like outclass everyone. I just don't like flipping the bird to the camera. I don't flip the bird anyway, but I don't like flipping the bird to the camera. I probably have some of those when I was a teenager, but I don't like it. A a lot of reasons I don't like it, but here's one of my most recent reasons I don't like it. There's a picture of Johnny Cash where Johnny Cash is flipping off the camera. It's a pretty iconic photo. Honestly, pretty cool. When you think about Johnny Cash, you know, he's this big Christian man, and you just think about him in kind of the his, his drug and drinking days flipping off the camera, and it just seems pretty cool, right? Well, now my stepmom was up here visiting, and she wanted to get a Johnny Cash t-shirt for a friend. And I thought, well, Johnny Cash is very popular, so it'll be easy to find a shirt of him. Now, the one shirt her friend didn't want was the one of Johnny Cash flipping off the camera. And we went all over the place looking for a Johnny Cash shirt, and we could not find one. We finally found one, and it was the picture of Johnny Cash flipping off the camera. And I just thought, of all the pictures and all the great things that Johnny Cash did, that one picture of him, probably one time, probably a picture, if he were alive today, would regret that was even around. Uh, That's how he's immortalized. And I'd rather be immortalized as waving and smiling than I would flipping off the camera. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, but I also know that, uh, and not, I'm not trying to come to Kid Rock's defense here, but we took a normal picture and then someone else suggested we do a, ca- a picture with everyone flipping off the camera. And I like the picture. I think it's great. I'm glad it happened because I like that I'm the one not flipping the bird. But I also, a lot of my friends are in there flipping the bird. I'm not against it. I'm just against me doing it. Uh, But that show was really fun. And also Jamie Johnson was at the show who I'd gotten to meet recently and talk to a little bit. Uh, He was at the show just sitting off to the side. And I didn't realize that till after my set. And I'm kind of glad because that would have made me a little more nervous. But he watched my set. I got to see him, got to shake his hand. And, uh, you know, I got to share the stage with some great comics, uh, Chris Porter. Chris Porter, who I featured for years ago at Crackers in Indianapolis. We had a really great weekend together, and I like Chris Porter a lot. Uh, we had Robert Kelly on the show, or Bobby Kelly, however. Um, and me and him had had a kind of a run-in at a, uh, a weekend in Phoenix, Button heads. Uh, but now we've made friends, and uh, and he's uh, such a nice guy. I don't even know. To be honest, now that I've interacted with him a little bit, I have no idea how that happened. Well, because he just came in with his old busting balls New York and energy, and it's just like, that's annoying if you're not from New York. Yeah, I guess you're right. Like, because not everybody's just out here busting balls, New Yorkers, okay? Right, well, except especially when there's a power dynamic, which I don't I, I don't like using that kind of language, but I was the feature, he was the headliner, we had never met, and he was coming at me in a way that it's like, alright, do I just come at you now and risk 
that you have a sensitivity. Do you want to just recap for people that don't know what you're talking about? Well, I hate to just, you know, make it seem like. Yeah, but you can wrap it up in a way. Well, this is the thing I'll say first is I never, the busting balls thing never works well for me. Yeah. I feel like the moment I do it to someone, they get real sensitive about what I've said. Like it's like. voice. It's like I don't do it good. No, you don't. Because your voice is too deep or something yeah and when i start doing it people are like acting like they're like oh take it easy dude and i'm like oh i'm just trying to do the thing that you're doing so i just choose to be nice to people uh well i was uh and 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 in some way i can see where he was coming from uh i'll say that before i get into it um now headlining a little more i can see how it would would look a certain way but there just was no time for me to explain my point of view before we really got into it. And that's that's where the problem came in. Because I, I carry a large bag around with me and I sell merch out of the bag. Dusty has a lot of merch. Yeah, I have hats and shirts. And I probably at that time I was also selling CDs. So I have a large bag and I take the bag and I set it in the green room. Now I'm headlining. So I don't have to ask anybody, can I sell merch? But when I was featuring, I would always ask the headliner. I would say, hey, no big deal either way, but I do have merch if, if I'm allowed to sell it. Um, and then I would have a great merch pitch on stage that would be funny. It was very funny. I know people, because I've had uh, comics even say to me like, oh, I'm sure it's funny, you know, in a, in a way like, they would tell me, you know, don't do a long merch pitch, which I get now. As a headliner, I get it. But mine was funny. If I have a comic working with me and they have a funny merch pitch, I don't care if your merch pitch is the entire show if it's making the audience laugh. Mm. Um, so I'm headlining a Thursday and a Sunday in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, Stand Up Live. And then I'm featuring for Bobby Kelly on Friday and Saturday at the Tempe Improv. So I'm kind of doing bookend weekends. So I've taken my merch out to Arizona because I'm headlining a Thursday and a Sunday. And uh, on Friday and Saturday, I'm featuring him for him. So I thought, well, I'm already here. I'll bring the merch. Doesn't cost me anything extra to bring it into the room. And then um, I'll ask him, can I sell? And if not, no big deal. So I go in, I get there before him. I'm, I bring my bag in. I put it in the corner. I'm just sitting there. It just enjoying myself. And then uh, there's some other people in the room talking to me. And then Bobby Kelly comes in the room and he's bringing a big energy, you know, really coming in hot. Uh, and then we're all talking. There's no time for me to go, hey, I'm Dusty Slay. I'm your feature. Can I sell my merch this weekend? I would never do that either. I would always ask before, but I don't just come in hot with the request. So I was just laying back, just kind of enjoying the conversation. And he goes, whose bag is that? And I go, oh, that's mine. And he goes, he said something like, what is that? I go, oh, that's my merch. He goes, you weren't going to ask me if you could sell your merch? And I'm just like, well, I, I wasn't really given the opportunity. And I said, I never assume. And he goes, well, the bag's in the room. That's a pretty big assumption. And I'm like, well, it's okay. I, you know, he's like, you know, he's like, why are you selling all that merch anyway? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm just making extra money on the road. And he goes, well, the thing you got to do is you got got to get good enough to headline uh, so you don't have to sell merch, you know? And I'm just like, I'm like, it's cool, dude. I don't need to sell it. It's fine. 
And then, um, you know, and then I basically, you know, I, I think we go back and forth a little bit, but I'm at the end of it. I'm like, listen, it's fine. I, I don't need to sell it. He's like, no, sell it. You don't, I don't care if you sell it. And I'm like, I'm not going to sell it. I'm not going to sell it now. And then, and then I leave the green room because I know other people at the club. So I just go out of the green room and I just hang out with other people. And then I go up and I do my set. I have a hot set. I rock the room. And then, um, you know, I don't sell merch at all that weekend. He says, oh, he act, later he acts like I'm, I'm all mad. I'm like, listen, I'm not mad. He's like, you're just like my wife, dude. And it's like, <laughs> and it's just like, dude, just let it go. You're the one that needs to let it go. Like I've, I've said, okay, I won't sell the merch. It's not a big deal to me. And then, uh, so the next day, uh, I don't take my bag out of there, but the next day he comes in and I, and it's just me and him. And I just start talking to him and I forget what I've said. Um, but I forget what I said to him, but it was, you know, not an apology, but kind of like, let's get ourselves on a different foot here. And he goes, yeah, totally dude. And then we, we were fine. We hung out, we talked, I ended up selling merch that day. And then we had a cigar after the show and everything's been fine. And then I saw him at JFL later that year. We've, we've hung out. I mean, everything's great. That's why I don't understand. I don't understand how that happened because all my interactions with him since that time have been nothing but great. He's been over the top friendly and I can't understand how that even happened. And now after hanging out this weekend, I don't even want to share the story. I, I did already, but I don't even particularly want to share the story because I feel like there's no reason for it now. I was very mad at him at the time. I was like, geez, dude, would you take it easy? But it doesn't matter now. Um, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's just, you just you just say something and somebody else, it's just, it just gets messy for no reason. And, and, then, and then you realize, oh, okay, we're just misunderstanding each other. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, uh, so yeah, so Bobby Kelly was on the show. This back to the Kid Rock show. Bobby Kelly's on the show. Uh, Big J Okerson, who I'd never met before, very exciting. Uh, AJ Wilkerson, a comic. Um, I don't. I think he's from Indiana, uh, but he's been been about. He's uh, seemed to been making waves in the comedy world for a little bit now. And then my friend Jordan Jensen, uh, also on the show. And then some other musicians. Uh, and it was just a really great, fun show. Oh, also uh, Josh Wolf on the show. It was a great guy. So it was just really fun. It was a really fun show. And then we all went to Kid Rock's bar for kind of a private party after. And I got to hang out and talk to Kid Rock for a little bit. You know, kind of a, kind of a tough conversation because, uh, you know, I, I've been a fan. I, I, I always say this, and I don't know why I preface it quite this way, but... You know, I was in 11th grade when Kid Rock's Ba with Ta Ba Da Bang Da, you know, that song came out. And I loved it. It was like, the video was like in a trailer park, he says, and it's either this song or Cowboy where it says, I'm not straight out of Compton, I'm straight out the trailer. And it's like all on the same album. And it was just like, Kid Rock was just like, you know, just the white trash hero that was like, this is amazing. It's uh, and And so... Since that time, I've been a fan. He had a great role in the movie Joe Dirt. Joe Dirt is one of my favorite movies, and Kid Rock has the best lines in that movie. I mean, it's so good. He's like, you crying, boy? <laughs> He's like, why don't you get you some French cries? Why don't you go get a Wineken? 
Uh, it's just so great. He goes, uh, he goes, sorry, did I get you dirt? He goes, no, I'm cool. He says, no, you're not. I mean, it's just <laughs> so great. Um, and, uh, he's just done some really funny stuff over the years and I love that. I mean, there's a lot of hate in the comments when I posted the pictures, but you know, I guess that just happens. It doesn't oh, matter. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's like, you know, it is what it is. Uh, actually, in fact, he even told me that he doesn't even care about the Bud Light boycott and thought it was stupid. And, uh, uh, I think he just wanted to shoot some cans on camera with a machine gun. I mean, who doesn't want to shoot a machine gun? I want to shoot some cans on a machine gun right now. Um, but uh, we got to talk a little bit, but it's hard for me because it was real loud in there. And I'm a little intimidated by Kid Rock. So I felt like I'm like, I, once I said all the things that I had to say, I'm just kind of standing there listening to him. And I feel like I'm in one of those mafia movies where every time the mafia boss tells a joke, you laugh whether it's funny or not. It was just, it's too loud for subtleties. I'm a subtlety kind of guy and there was no room for subtleties. Uh, and I met uh, Mel Gibson's son. Apparently, he was hanging out at the bar. And then I met uh, the guitarist for the band Disturbed. And I now have his phone number. Wow. Yeah, so my late 90s, early 2000s is, is really coming around. I mean, I, would, I was delivering pizzas a lot listening to Down With The Sickness. All right, next stop, Lisa Loeb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it was just, uh, it's been a lot of fun. And then I did that show at the Ryman on a Tuesday. And then Wednesday, I go back to the Ryman for uh, a really unforgettable show that I hate I missed most of. Because I had a sold-out show happening at Zany's starting at 7 o'clock. And the show at the Ryman started at 6.30. So I went to do the show with the Ryman. And this was the lineup. If you're an old school Southern comedy fan, you'll love this. It's James Gregory, Killer Bees, Leanne Morgan, uh, Henry Cho, uh, John Christ, Nate Bergazzi, uh, Aaron Weber, uh, Angela Johnson. I don't want to miss anyone and me. Uh, I think that was the full lineup, and it just, to me, I'm like, that, oh, T.C. Cope, um, and it's just an unbelievable lineup, especially if you've been coming to Zany's since the 80s, I mean, these are the killers of all that time, I mean, from, from then till now, that's who's rocking Zany's, and it's just amazing. I got a nice picture. I'm going to get that picture printed and, and, and framed and put on the wall. I love it. I mean, James Gregory is indirectly responsible for where I'm at in comedy now. I mean, uh, I'm sure I would have found another path, but it happens to be this path. I'm sure I've said this before, but when I was living in Charleston, James, my mom heard James Gregory on the radio, someone that I was already a fan of. And he said he was looking for an opener. And I'm sure it was just a bit he was doing. But uh, my mom called me and she goes, hey, I just heard James Gregory on the radio said he's looking for an opener. So I went to James Gregory's website and I saw his email and his manager's email and I emailed them both and I got a response and, uh, you know, basically got some advice on what to do in comedy. And I took that advice and ran with it. Did you ever open for James Gregory? I have opened for James Gregory a but couple of times. at that time? Not at that time, no. 
since then, I did not get to open for him right away, but you know, in, in a couple of years later I did. And I've opened for him a few times. And I've gotten to talk with him and 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 you know, what people don't know is James Gregory really was like the first road comic. I mean, there was first com- first road comic to have his level of success. Like, you know, there was a Jerry Clower in the South before him, but Jerry Clower got famous. He got uh, albums, went big, big time. I th- he got on TV. He did the Opry, uh, you know, and there were other comics, but they were famous TV comics who were in movies. And so they were doing shows. But James Gregory was making big money working the road. James Gregory told me this, and it was just confirmed by someone else recently that I uh, I trust what they say, but James Gregory was the first comic to sell merch on the road. Mm. He told me that he was he was living in Atlanta, and he said Hank Williams Jr. came to Atlanta, Georgia, and they said they printed in the paper how much money he made off doing the show, and then how much money he made off selling merchandise. And James Gregory was like, I got to get in on that. So he said he had 100 shirts printed up, And the next show he did, he had a weekend in Charleston, South Carolina, another parallel. And, uh, and that's the thing. It's like, this is America. People are selling merch. Comics are selling merch because they want to make money. Right. And there's a certain, you know, section of comics usually living in the coast who are like merch is hack. It's like, fine. Merch is hack. But tell it to my bank account. I'm trying to feed my family. Well, I also, I have a follow-up to that, but I want to finish this. So uh, James Gregory uh, said he printed 100 shirts, and he said he had several shows that weekend. He said the first show, he sold one shirt, and he was like, oh, no, I've made a mistake. I've wasted this money. And then he said the next show, he sold all the rest of the shirts, And then that was history. He said, from then on out, I was cleaning up in merch. I mean, James Gregory was the merch king. And this is the thing about merch. It it serves a couple of purposes. One purpose, um, when you become so popular that you get to a certain level, people want to have meet and greets with you. They want to come see you. They want to come shake your hands. But until you get to that place, um, I always wanted to meet people and shake their hands. But people wouldn't necessarily come up over to me if I was just standing in the corner. But the moment I got something cool to sell, people then wanted to come buy that thing. And as a result, they came over, they met me, they took a picture with me. I love doing that. I love meeting people and shaking their hands and taking pictures with them. That's one of my favorite things after the show. I mean, I I love it. It's like, these people, you know, paid money to come see me. They probably got babysitters. They, 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 they had to get themselves to the show. They have to buy food. They have to buy drinks. They have to buy tickets. I want to meet them and say thank you for coming to the show. Um, you know, and that's why I say in my merch pitch now, I have merch. If you want to buy it, buy it. But don't feel obligated to buy it. Um, and, uh, let's take a picture and you don't have to buy anything to take pictures. And your merch is like really good quality. Of stuff I have, too. Yeah. it's not like this crappy shirt with this pasted on logo. It's a like good, good quality. It is good quality. Top of the line. Really? My hats 
are some of the best hats I've ever seen. I mean, they are really good. And I and I didn't make the hat. I had the hat made for me, and it's so good. In fact, the guy there's a guy at the airport uh, who take who takes bags for American Airlines, and he always is wearing my hat out there. And apparently Miranda Lambert came through the line the other day and asked about the hat. And she gets it. And he said, do you know Dusty Slane? She goes, no, but his marketing is top notch. And it is top notch. Your hat has a glow. To I mean, it. the hat, I mean, I got it glows. I got white, black and gray and I got red on the way. Let's go ahead and do a quick merch pitch right now yeah well i got i used to have a great merch pitch but now i just i just kind of tell people about it i mean i'm selling it whether i do the pitch or not so i just kind of tell people about it but i used to really get into the merch pitch and it was very funny so james gregory is the father of road merch selling yeah you know, and, and Killer Bees, I mean, a lot of people say Killer Bees, is, is, that Zanies is the house that bees built. I mean, that's what people say. During, back in the day, 90s, when, 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 you know, the club wasn't making a lot of money, Killer Bees would come through and just sell out a bunch of weekends and make money for the club. Yeah. Keep the club open. Uh, Henry Cho, uh, you know, is a legend. I mean, he was doing a thing that nobody was doing and honestly still no one does. I mean, he was he's a, a Korean man uh born and raised in Knoxville, Tennessee at a time when there were no other Asian people in Knoxville except for his family. Yeah, so he has a thick southern accent and he's just funny. He's great and he does, and all of these guys are clean. Uh this whole show was clean. And it's just amazing. And I was happy to be a part of it, but I had to leave. So I was on stage. I did my set. I walked off stage, went out the back door of the Ryman. I felt very much like an old school country singer because they used to go out that back door and then go into Roberts or go into Tootsie's. So I went out that back door. There was a van waiting for me with the door open. I walked right down the steps, stepped into the van, they closed the door and they drove me over to Zany's where I got out at the back door. The moment I arrived, they gave Mike James, who was on stage, they gave him a light. Mike got off stage. I was able to walk right in and do an hour for a sold out show at Zany's. And it was unbelievable. Wow, that's showbiz, baby. Comedy Fest week was really great. And I'll tell you, the show that kicked it off, the weekend leading up to this, I went to Johnson City, Tennessee uh, with uh, Nate Bergazzi, Brian Bates, and Aaron Weber. And Johnson City has been a show, uh, is a place that I often talk about a lot. There used to be a comedy zone there at a place called Reflections in a Holiday Inn. And I, that was notoriously like the first time I bombed. I'll tell you this. I don't think a lot of people know this, but I was, this was back before I was wearing a hat. I showed up to Johnson City. There was a guitar comic. I won't say his name. I'd love to. I didn't really get along with him, but I had, I had, um, I won, um, back in the day, I, I did a, uh, a show at the Charlotte Comedy Zone. It was a competition. And I ended up winning the competition. And through winning the competition, I won a feature weekend. 
So I got to feature at the Charlotte Comedy Zone for Josh Blue. That was my very first feature weekend ever featuring for Josh Blue. Not my first time featuring. My first time featuring was at Zany's. I featured one night for Pablo Francisco. But my first official feature weekend was with Josh Blue at the Charlotte Comedy Zone. I won another feature weekend uh, where I featured for a guy named Kurt Green in somewhere else in North Carolina. And that was kind of a rough weekend. But then my next feature weekend was featuring for uh, a, a guitar comic in Johnson City, Tennessee at Reflections. And that weekend, when I showed up, this comic was so bitter. He was already talking to me. Now, keep in mind, this is my third feature weekend ever in comedy. I'm still just getting into this. And he goes, we've not even done a show yet. He's not even seen my comedy. And he goes, he goes, yeah, you might want to start thinking about a, a plan B. You know, how are you going to work? You know, what are you going to do when this is over? And uh, <laughs> I was just like, jeez, dude. I'm like, wow. I'm just getting into this. I'm still thinking about plan A. And um, he is the kind of comic who played the guitar the entire time. He didn't just do some songs. He had a big kind of heavy metal looking guitar that he would just strum the entire show. And he had a show, if you have kids listening, I won't say anything bad, but there will be some innuendo here. But he had a joke where he's talking about getting into a fight with his wife and at the um, well, it is kind of bad. I'm going to say it. Uh, and, and he said he would get into a fight with his wife and to make it up for his wife, he would say, it's a licky, licky night. That was his big song. It's a licky, licky night. And I'm like, geez, guy, I'm just rolling my eyes in the back of the room. I mean, I don't know. I think it's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just like, oh, I know what he's doing there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Did he really just say that? Oh, my gosh. Friday uh, night. Oh. Well, that's what the 10 people in the audience thought. Yeah. And they thought it was real fun. And um, I was selling, I think I had CDs by that point. And I did not sell a single CD that weekend. I bombed all weekend for 10 or 20 people a show. Uh, this comic was destroying it. I mean, it was he was ripping it up in there. And on my way home, I called my sister and I said, I just have a hard time relating to people in some of these towns. I said, I think, I said, I got this trucker hat in my car that I sometimes wear just driving around. I said, I think I might start wearing that on stage just to see what that does. And it was just kind of a joke. And then <laughs> I didn't start wearing it on stage for another two years. So, um, and I didn't even start wearing it for that reason at the time. I just started wearing it and it was fun. But at the time I was like, I need a, I just felt like I looked like a hipster comic yeah. and I was in a more rural area and I was not being relatable to people. When I moved down south and I played this this venue here at Johnson City and all the same ones that you were doing early on the road, I I felt the same way where I'm like, I, I, I'm too urban or something. And it's not even like I'm so urban, but I've been living in Toronto and even just living in Nashville. I'm a little like hippie hipster, 20 something, early 30 something girl. <clears throat> and then you're you're performing for blue collar small town audiences and i definitely felt like i need material that they connect with or i need to present myself differently cuz i feel like i'm coming across in a way that they don't 
connect with. Yes. Well, so I say all that to say that I did Johnson City with Nate for 4,000 people in a college basketball um, arena, and it was amazing. I had a great time. Yeah, different kind of reflection in that kind of arena. Yes, it huh? was. Yes, it was. And it was very fun. And then the next day, I performed for the largest audience I've ever performed for. I performed at Bridgestone Arena uh, for almost 20,000 people. All and right. it's unbelievable. Almost 20,000 people. You described it to me as a wild experience. Well, yeah, I mean, well, we're on a, what they call the round. And for some reason, I thought that this would be spinning. Uh, some people have <laughs> some people have interpreted that to believe that I thought it was going to be like a merry-go-round. I didn't think it'd be going that fast, but I thought the round meant that there was some spin to it. <laughs> That's so funny that you thought that. Yeah, I, and I thought, I watched Nate's special, and I thought it was spinning a little bit as he was talking. And it was not. Oh, wow, Dusty. But I felt like it was. Okay. And. Um, Goodness. So, uh, you know. and Imagine I, your surprise walking out there at Bridgetown and you're like, wait a minute. I'm just stationary. Yeah. Well, they had told me before, oh, thankfully. Oh, well, goodness. But, you know, you go out there and you're at the. Now, I performed twice at Bridgestone Arena. One time I did a private gig for um, for the Predators and they were like boosters. And that was fun, but it was just people on the floor. None of the stands at all. Thankfully, I mean, I, it was a, it actually, it was a good show. I had a lot of fun there, but it was about 45 minutes of squeaky clean stuff, which. I'm a clean comic, but when it, when they're like, be squeaky clean, I'm like, all right, I got to take out this and this and this and this. Um and then I performed again at the Charlie Daniels Volunteer Jam, where it was all country musicians, all 90s country musicians, basically, all my favorites, and, uh, and me. I was the only comic on that show, and it went great. But even that, I mean, that was packed, but even that was not, I mean, because we weren't doing the round. We were on a large stage on one end, so there were no seats behind us at all. So, I mean, I'd say at best it was 10,000, but I don't even know a number. I don't know how many was there. So um, to be, to walk out into that room and stand in the middle of that thing in front of 19 plus thousand people was intense. And I only had seven minutes. Now, I, I, I say only. I don't mean to disrespect the amount of time I had. I mean, this was Nate's show. This was all about Nate. I mean, this was Nate's lifelong dream to perform at Bridgestone. This was, uh, he had his dad on the show. I mean, he played songs that he used to listen to in Chicago when he was getting started in comedy. It was a very emotional time for him. I mean, he wasn't crying or anything, not that I saw, but, uh, you know, it was an emotional time for him and his dad. I mean, I, his dad performed on the show. I just, I can't imagine what that feels like. Um, but the reason I say only seven is because it's a completely different environment than I've ever been in. I do comedy all the time, but never with people behind me. And then I'm having to kind of walk around in a circle, uh, which is something I'm not used to at all. I don't. But the circle didn't move. The circle didn't move. But I don't walk around on stage at all. I may pace back and forth a little bit, but I don't move at all. So I'm, 
you know, out of my element and then I'm only doing seven and it's got to be a tight seven, right? So I'm trying to like, there's a difference in what I do as a headliner versus when I'm structured to do that short of amount of time. Because as a headliner, I just go on and on and I do an hour. And if I get to the end of the hour and I go, all right, I got to start wrapping it up. I mean, depending on the show, I've done an hour and 20 before and it's like, I'll just keep going. Uh, but if I need to end, I'll just wrap up. But it's like, when you're only doing seven, you're like, all right, I got to pick a few jokes that I think are going to be quick hitters and I got to trust that they're going to work and just roll with it. And, uh, so that's what I did. And it, it was a really surreal experience because it's a lot of people. And, uh, I had some people from high school there. I had a couple from high school that I had not seen. I saw the guy, they got married, they dated in high school and got married, uh, and are still married. Um, and they seem very happy. They have three kids. Um, and um, I've not I've not seen the girl since high school, which has been almost 23 years. And I've seen the guy one time since high school. I ran into him while I was visit- while I was in Auburn one time. And it was just amazing. I mean, I, I loved it. I mean, uh, a lot of our neighbors here came to see the show. And it's just, uh, it's wild. And it's been such a great week. Um, I am, uh, I just was in Richmond, Virginia. I had a great weekend there. I did four shows in Richmond. Very fun. I got some very nice uh, emails from people and messages from people about stuff they've been going through in life and how much, how happy it made them that I came to Richmond. So I appreciate you coming to the show. Um, a lot of people listening to the podcast, a lot of people said they appreciated the Bible talk. I actually had a group, about four dudes, all pretty muscular looking dudes, pretty ripped, took pictures with me, uh, looked real like bros, you know, like you could easily say these were like frat bros. And then they go, Hey man, we really appreciate the Bible talk. And I was like, all right, all right, bro. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I don't care if you're a frat bro or not. That doesn't make any difference to me, but I just didn't see that coming from them. Yeah. And uh, I was like, all right, well, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, and um, I bet they eat ribs, though. I'll well, tell you, you know, that. I don't think people see it coming from you. I mean, if they're longtime listeners, they see it coming a mile away. But, yeah. you know, when I first met you, I was like, so uh excited because i met a young cool guy who believed in god and i mean at that time i I was hard pressed to find any guy my age that i thought was kind of fun and cool that believed in god so you know it's it's people need that yeah they need somebody they can relate to and it's not just some churchian kind of you know and there's nothing wrong with however you present yourself or you know who you are but I do think there's a reason why probably hipster pastors have taken off because they're trying to appeal to people that, you know, there is that not, there needs to be a cool aspect to church. There is not a worse look for me than when I pull up a TikTok video and it's a, a pastor wearing like a Ed Hardy t-shirt or whatever, you know, those shirts, whatever they are, and just looking real hipster-like. yeah. I'm just like, uh, there's not a worse look for me. But I would say you do look like a hipster, not like that type of hipster. Yeah, yeah. 
but they and they're always saying the same things but trying they have this thing in their voice where they try to make everything so passionate and so serious and it's like i run across a lot of great videos one that i kept running across the other day was a, a video about jesus dying on the cross and uh talking about prior to that his his barnabas there was uh and i think that's his name I could be wrong about that. Barabbas, maybe. Let's say Barabbas. Um, and um, Barabbas is a criminal, and, and Jesus is there, and they're both on trial, and whoever, Pilate says, I'm going to let one of these guys go free. Do you want Jesus, or do you want Barabbas? And Barabbas was apparently a murderer and a very sinful person, and they were like, we want Barabbas, free Barabbas. So they ended up killing innocent Jesus as as opposed to Barabbas. And the point that these preachers were making was that, you know, this is, that is, um, you know, that is what Jesus did. I mean, we are Barabbas and Jesus died for us. Jesus died so that Barabbas could be set free. And we are Barabbas. Right. We are the sinful ones and Jesus died for us. And I thought, well, that's just so beautiful. Yeah. But these preachers, the way they do it, I mean, they just, they have this thing they do with their voice where they like whisper a little bit and they just, you know, and it's just like, and it, it is beautiful. All the stuff about Jesus is so beautiful. My problem is, is that people, these preachers, they want to lure the Christians in with going, you're set free from your sins, but then they don't even really talk about what the sins are. It's like, well, all right, so I've been sinning and now I don't want to sin anymore. Where do I find those sins? And the easy answer is to go just start reading the Bible at the beginning and these things will reveal themselves to you. And as you come across them and you read something and God says, don't do this, then stop doing it. People love to say that there's a thing about the mixed clothing, right? But the Bible is very specific. It says, uh, wool and linen, do not wear clothes mingled with wool and linen. It doesn't say no mixed clothes, depending on the version of the Bible you're reading. But if you read King James, it says wool and linen. Don't Watch out for that NIV, I'll tell you what. Right, right. So it's like, you know, the, so the easy answer is, all right, you come to, you. This is, this is what I think the path is. You come to Jesus, you repent, you say, um, you know, I want to, you know, I want Jesus in my life. I want to go to heaven when I die. And, and, and the gift is yours. Jesus says, hey, welcome in. And then, and then it's like, all right, now what now? Well, now you start to study. You now are a Christian. You've taken on a new role. So what do you do? You, you didn't like your old life. That's why you came to Jesus. You were unhappy where you were at. So you were like, I want to go on a different path. Or you were in fear of where you were going to go after death. So you were like, let me correct that. So now you've taken a new role. Now you, you've, you've said to yourself, I want to live differently. So how do you live differently? Well, you, you, you read the Bible and that's where you find how to live differently. You know, and so as you read it, you read Genesis. So that's the whole creation story. You get to read, you know, your basically your forefathers uh, in, in the religion. And then you get into Exodus and you see them be freed from slavery and bondage. And then you read about Passover, which will later mirror what Jesus did for us on the cross. And then, uh, and then Moses starts to give 
the Israelites the law. So as you're reading it, you know, and if there's one you're reading and you're like, oh no, I gotta, I gotta be sacrificing uh, animals to, to God every weekend or whatever. I don't know. Um, you know, if there's questions, you know, don't, I wouldn't say you read that and you go, all right, that's what I gotta go do. And then just start sacrificing animals in your backyard. I mean, keep reading, keep praying, and ask God to reveal these things to you and ask with a humble heart. Because if you ask with an ego, if you go, all right, God, I know I don't got to follow this stuff, but this guy on a podcast that I listened to was like, pray about it. So here I am. I'm just praying about it. Just go ahead and tell me I'm right because I know I'm right. Just go ahead and tell it to me so I can say to this lunatic who keeps going on and on about pork that I prayed for it. And I just want him to shut up a little bit and talk about comedy and stop going on and on and on. Like, don't do that. Humble yourself and be like, I don't know everything. In fact, I don't know anything. That's what I pray. I don't know anything, God, because so much of what I think I know uh, has been revealed to me as a lie. Uh, so many things that I'm like, oh, they taught me that was this, but that's not this. I mean, I see things all the time on the internet where they'll show me the purpose of something, like... Um, like uh, like Gatorade bottles, they come in these six packs in these plastic rings and you can put that right over the side of your grocery cart and it doesn't actually have to go in to the buggy. And I don't know if that's the design for it, but I'm like, that really freed up some space in my buggy here. It's good to know that, but I didn't know it because no one taught me. That's the same way with the Bible. There's a lot of stuff in there you don't know because no one's teaching it. You taught me something the other day that I was didn't know about this whole time. What was that? The gas pump. Like uh, when, oh. when I'm pumping gas, sometimes when I'm pumping gas, I'm like, dang, this is taking forever. I'm out here for 10 minutes just trying to fill up this tank of gas. And then you show me, but you can actually go up to the top rung when you kind of latch it. Right. And she's thought, talking geez. about, she's talking about when you go pump gas and you like can, can latch it to where it pumps the gas for you. There'll be like three little notches in there. And I guess Hannah was locking it in the first notch. I wasn't even aware that there was just different options. Like, so I would just latch it wherever it latched. Yeah. Now, it fell. now sometimes it would fall in the short one. So it'd be really fast. And that's why I would think I'm not going back to this gas station. It takes yeah. forever. Now, some gas stations just are really slow. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of things like that out there in life. I wish I could think of some more examples, but there's these hacks I'll see on TikTok where I'm just like, I had no idea. Like there was something I was seeing the other day where the claw of a hammer, you can use that to drive your nail in a little bit so you don't actually have to hold it with your fingers. You can use that claw to drive the nail in a little bit and then move the claw and that nail will be there and then you can hammer it in so you don't actually have to hold it with your hands. Um, there's just so many things out there and it's like the Bible's the same way. No one's teaching us these things, but all of these things that are in the Bible are for the betterment of ourselves. I mean, our society is going down the drain because no one will do anything that the Bible says. And whenever you talk about it, everybody wants to go to the big things. They want to go to the big obvious things. But it's like, 
the big obvious things oftentimes are a result of us missing the small things for so long. We've let so many small things slip here and there to where you eventually got to the big things. And then you're like, oh, we don't want this. But you're so used to the small things that you're breaking that you're like, well, I want to keep doing that. But, I, you know, and it's just like, it's just like, it's all about getting on track. And I've had people contact me about punishments, about stoning people. And they'll go, oh, I guess you believe in, in the stoning. I don't believe in the Old Testament punishments. And I do think that Jesus took those punishments away. I don't think Jesus wants us stoning people out here. I think that's part of it. I think that's the curse of the law that people talk about, how, how we're no longer under the curse of the law, meaning that if you break it, People aren't going to stone you, but I do think that God still intends us to keep his laws and all of them. I'm still waiting on someone to actually send me something valid of how we're not supposed that how we can eat pork again, because every one of them I've been able to refute. Uh, and Peter on the rooftop is one that people love to use to say that we can eat pork again. And I think that is a hundred percent proof that Jesus did not uh, do away with that law. And I love it. I mean, listen, if you're out there eating pork and you're a Christian, I'm not mad at you. You do whatever you want to do. It's not my job to be like, to be harping on you and yelling at you. I just, my job to tell you the things that I feel like I learned and discuss. And I think it's a lot of fun. But if you're a Christian and you have earbuds in right now and you've just walked into your favorite barbecue place and you're about to get you a rack of ribs and sit down and have a good old meal while listening to me go on and on about pork, that's on you. You know, I'm not mad at you about it. I know what ribs taste like. I know what pulled pork tastes like. I know what pork chops taste like. I know what um, bacon. bacon tastes like. I know what ham tastes like. I know what it all tastes like, and it's delicious. Believe me, I understand. It is one of the most delicious and cheapest meats you can get. Pulled pork sandwich. If you go to a barbecue restaurant, if you're like me, if they don't have barbecue chicken like that restaurant in McMinnville, you have to get brisket. Brisket's pricey. It's always pricier. And it usually ain't that good because it's just sitting out there. Yeah, it usually is not that good. Sometimes you can find a good spot. Uh, where they have some brisket and it's like just waters in your mouth. But that's what they do because pork is cheap. It's cheap to raise pigs because they'll eat anything. They don't even care. They'll just, I saw a video the other day where a guy told me he threw a, it's a TikTok video. He said he threw a rat in there and the, and the, and the pigs ate the rat. They don't care. They just eat things. Good gracious. <laughs> well, I'm sorry if you are eating some ribs right uh, now listening to this. Well, you know, listen. Uh, I'm not saying that uh, beef is perfect either these days. I mean, because beef is definitely designed for us to eat. God intended for us to eat it, I believe. But I think we can go ahead and say, if you're living in America, you should be questioning every single thing you put in your mouth. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. 100%. I mean, 
Beef, if you're eating beef at a fast food restaurant, this is my hardest thing. This is the hardest thing that I deal with on the Nate Land podcast is how much everybody on there loves fast food and McDonald's and how against McDonald's I am. I think McDonald's may be on the verge of being a sponsor of the podcast. I don't know. <laughs> but because I asked that, I said, I don't know how McDonald's is not a sponsor of this podcast at this point. And people acted like they were working on it. Now, I don't know if that was just a joke or not, but I'm like, I hate it i mean i that's bad for the brand <laughs> i mean well this is a separate podcast but i um i think mcdonald's is is like the worst yeah. and i think they're all bad so yeah well listen i appreciate you listening to this podcast i got a big week coming up next week uh today's monday this podcast is going to go ahead and come out today and then on Tuesday and Wednesday, I'm going to be north of Dallas, Texas at the Addison Improv. I think it may even be called the Dallas Improv. I don't know, but it's Dallas, Texas Comedy Club. I'll be at the Addison Improv Tuesday and Wednesday night. Thursday, I have a free day. I'm going to be driving around somewhere out in Texas or Oklahoma. And then on Friday, I'm going to open for Larry the Cable Guy in Oklahoma. Speaking of that, I just want to make this note. I got the email today that my show in Charleston on May 17th has been canceled. It's not my doing, but the show, for whatever reason, has been canceled. I was just a special guest on it on May 17th, and that is canceled now. But May 17th. May 17th. Okay. And. uh, Okay. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. And I. um, but but my agent said, we are working on getting you a headlining date in Charleston. So it could work out better for me anyway. Leanne Morgan and Jeff Foxworthy, as exciting as that is to work with them, they're my friends. I mean, I talk to them. I work with Jeff Foxworthy a bit. Leanne Morgan, I just did the show at the Ryman with the other day. We talk on the phone sometimes. I mean, these are my Ooh, friends. Look yeah. at you. Yeah, I'm just saying. You're I, hanging out with Kid Rock, yeah. Jeff Foxworthy, well, Leanne Morgan, just doing do a quick set with Larry the Cable Guy this weekend. Well, the only reason I'm saying it is because I feel like people were very excited for me to be opening for Leanne Morgan and Jeff Foxworthy. And I just want you to know, don't be sad for me. I'm 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 fine. Um, but I'm not also not trying to name drop a lot here at the end of the podcast. Well, and yet you do. I name drop quite a bit on this podcast. Yeah. Jamie Johnson. <laughs> That's all I remember. Dan from Disturbed. Yeah. We're best friends now. Bobby Kelly. Bobby Kelly. Dang. You're yeah. just out here moving and shaking. Well, it's all very fun. This was a lot of fun. I, I, I like being in here. I feel like our setup is about the same. Feel good. I'd like to get the the lighting a little better. I think we do need that second ring light though to hit to, to kill that shadow. Yeah, we're gonna get it all worked out. Yeah. But thank you very much. We appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. We're having a good time. Mm-hmm.